Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, once again, we admit our great need. We admit our uh, desperate situation. Lord, we need you to work in our hearts, in our lives. We pray that through the music, the specials, and Lord, even the video this morning, that we'll be able to rejoice in your goodness. But Lord, that you would encourage us and strengthen us to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Children dismissed at this time to the Children's Church. I hope and pray that this little bug or whatever it is will not affect uh, hearing of the sermon too much. But I would like you to take your Bibles and um, why don't we just turn to Luke chapter 21 to start today, Luke chapter 21, and again, we're going to be moving through uh, the Bible a little bit this morning. I would like for us to examine one word from the Bible. Oftentimes, we have uh, centered on just one or two verses, uh, many times on chapters. Sometimes you try to get the big picture and Uh, We'll take a larger portion of Scripture, but today I'd like to zoom in on just one word. Uh, I think this word, if if we could uh, uh, inject it, uh, make it into a drug and inject it into the veins of people, that we would solve about 85 to 90 percent of the world's problems. Uh, That word is patience. Uh, I don't know about you, I was, uh, it was actually during the elections, one of the police officers was there and we, we just began to discuss things and I uh, was talking with her and she was uh, just, just in casual conversation as we were passing the day. I said, you know, I, I said, I don't know if this is me or not, she said, but in the last three or four years especially, it just seems like. Uh, our our city as a whole has gotten uh, uh, the level of agita has risen and there's just a lot more rage and a lot more anger. And she said, it's not you. I see it every day when I go to work. I said, it's just getting worse. The, the attitude that is in our city. And, and uh, as we begin talking... Uh, I said, you know, I think the biggest problem we face is selfishness. And she looked at me and said, yeah, you're right. I said, well, there's another word for it. I said, the Bible word is pride. That is the problem. And, of course, pride is the greatest sin in all the Bible. And, of course, what's the answer for pride? Patience. It's the thing we need the most. But how many of you enjoy being patient? Would you raise your hand? Uh, I don't see any hands go. I was just showing in case we had one of those perfect persons here today. Uh, I didn't expect to see any hands go up because uh, uh, <clears throat> patience is one of those things. It's, it's like humility. You cannot claim it for yourself. When someone tells you, I'm a patient person, they're telling you one of two things. 
Either they've run out of patience and you better get moving. Or number two, they're going to wait forever for you to do what they want you to do. So you might as well do it now. Either way, you're out of patience. Isn't that true? I, 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 I've never, ever heard someone saying, I'm a patient person. This doesn't bother me at all. I'm going to put up with it and enjoy it. I don't know that I've ever heard a person say that. Because that's not human nature now, is it? And, And yet, the Bible has quite a bit to say about patience. Forty-six different verses in our Bible mention forms of the word patience and and, and before we go any further, we'll, we'll get to a definition uh, of the word patient. And we're, we're not talking about someone who is under prolonged medical or psychiatric treatment. Uh, that's another definition of the word patient. Uh, same word, but actually, if you study out the history, it's a completely different word. Maybe it has some relation there in the fact that If you're laying in a hospital bed, you're not moving, so you're patiently enduring, but that doesn't necessarily hold true. Uh, uh, Oftentimes, we have words that are used in entirely different ways. They have different definitions. They're truly and honestly completely different words, only they're spelled and pronounced exactly the same. You know, it's like, how many of you have a red Bible? Mine's red. I read it every day. How about you? You say, but that's not red, that's black. That's right, but it is a red Bible now, isn't it? And so, what we have to be careful of is understanding words. Words are important. And so, what I want us to do this morning is just examine this word. One person said... It is what we need the most and loathe the greatest to obtain. And I think that describes patience just about perfectly, does it not? We all love patient people, but we all hate being patient. And I want us to understand that where where would we be without God's patience? I'll tell you where we'd be. In hell forever. But aren't you glad that God is a patient and loving God? That God doesn't give up on us? How, how many times have you said, I've had it, that's enough, I'm done. You know, God did that a couple of times, didn't he? With the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, he'd just given them the Ten Commandments, and they were down there breaking them before Moses could even bring the Ten Commandments back down to the bottom of the mountain. And God told Moses, he said, just stand back and I'll make a new nation and you can be in charge of it. And what did that do to Moses? He fell on his face and said, God, don't do it, don't do it. Do you know why God did that for Moses? He wanted Moses to get a little bit of his patience so that when he went to the bottom of the mountain, he wouldn't be shouting up at God, 
I'm out of the way. Just kill them all. God had changed Moses' attitude. He had used that example to help Moses get patience. Now, Moses did break the Ten Commandments. He threw them down on the ground and broke the tablets. And, and, and um, later on, Moses lost his temper on Mount Horeb. I mean, not Mount Horeb. Um, he lost his temper the second time and didn't get to enter the promised land. Tell you, patience, if you are going to show the world the image of Christ stamped upon your soul, you're going to have to have patience. Without it, the world will never see Christ in our lives. That's how important this word is. And so, we look here in Luke chapter 21. And let me get a definition here. I, I just, I love definitions. I love working with words here. And so, here's the Oxford English Dictionary. We're going to read several definitions. The practice or quality of being patient. Ah, there we go. You can't define patience without using the word patient. Uh, let's go on. The suffering or enduring of pain, trouble, or evil with calmness and composure. The quality or capacity of so suffering or enduring. Definition B, forbearance, long-suffering, long-amity under provocation of any kind, especially forbearance or bearing with others, their faults, limitations, etc. Definition C, the calm abiding of the issue of time, processes, etc. Quiet and self-possessed, waiting for something, the quality of expecting long without rage or discontent. That would help driving in New York City right there, now wouldn't it? Uh, uh, And then... The last definition is constancy in labor, exertion, or effort. And so we see here that this idea of patience is being able to endure, being able to continue giving effort. And in Luke chapter 21 and verse 19... Jesus is speaking here. He says, In your patience possess ye your souls. Now, he's giving prophecies here of what's going to happen, and he's telling the the apostles, and he's giving that command to us today. He says, In your patience possess your souls. Now, how how does that work? Well, if you are not in a state of patience, could I challenge you, you're not possessing or you're not in control of your own life. How many of us go through life reacting to what others do? The Bible tells us that is not the course of true Christianity. That is not patience. When somebody does something, I react. 
How often do we do that? Every day. Well, uh, it, it never fails. If there is any kind of disturbance in the Montoro household, it just never fails. I say, what possessed you to do that? Well, you don't know what they were doing. Okay, what possessed you to start, give them an excuse to do this? Well, you don't know what they were doing. And then you trace it on, and it was somebody else entirely that started it. You, you know what we call that? Nonsense. But how many of us live our lives in entire nonsense? This person did this, and I'm going to do that, and... Oftentimes in marriage counseling and even before someone's married, I always go over this with, with the couple. If, if I'm performing the wedding, is, is there is simply a, a spiral of justification. You see, I've had people sit on the other side of my desk and talking to them. And, and I remember one couple in particular, I will not mention their names, no longer around here. Uh, uh, but the, I, I just had to tell them, I said, if you could put half the effort that you have put into hating each other, into liking and loving each other, you could have a good marriage. You see, we take that behavior that destroys our patients and we use it as justification to destroy their patients. Well, now that we've repaid them, they're going to do something double bad. Well, now that you've done something double bad, I'm going to bring the house down. Wasn't that from the big bad wolf and the three little pigs? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, but on the other hand, you can use that spiral of justification. My wife is so patient with me. I need to reward that patience by being a better husband. And then my wife goes, wow, my husband's good to me. I'm going to be better to him. And it just gets better and better. You see, it's moving one of two directions. And you control the direction. The greatest thing about patience... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 15. Luke chapter 8, this is uh, the parable of the seed. And we're not going to take time to go through the whole parable here, but we want to see a result here in Luke chapter 8 and verse 15... He's talking about the seed which fell on the good ground, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit. What's those last two words there? Let's do that all nice and together. The last two words are with patience. Do you know that it takes time for seed to grow? That it doesn't just come up overnight. That there's got to be a process there. And, and uh, how many of you have ever planted corn? 
just uh, yellow corn or white corn planted it. You, you put those seeds in there, and my dad would always make us put two seeds in the ground in, in each spot, and then you would um, measure, well, at that time he would measure with his hand like this, and I would have to use two hands to make up what his, one of his, and we'd put those seeds in, and then a couple weeks we'd see those little sprouts coming out of the ground. And then if we got two in the same spot, if both seeds actually germinated, then you go through and pull one out. But do you know that baby corn and Johnson grass, when they're only about six inches high, are almost identical? How many of you know what Johnson grass is? It's just that wide blade grass that no one wants in their yard up north. Uh, if you live in Florida, that's the only thing that will grow in sand, and so it's, it is a yard. But you don't want to lay down in Johnson grass. It will cut you to ribbons. But, uh, the, but uh, I do remember being severely disciplined more than one occasion, having gone through and pulled all the corn out thinking it was grass. Uh, I didn't do that too many times. My dad made sure that I learned the difference. Amen? But it takes time. It says to bring forth fruit with patience. That we've got to keep this word. And Jesus says, listen, in your patience possess ye your souls. Patience is the ability... To keep doing right even when no one else is or does or seems to be. Now, one of the things that has always gotten me frustrated ever since I was old enough to understand is when somebody said, Well, everybody's doing it. Everybody has never done anything together. Hello? I mean, there has never been a time, there has never been a point where everyone did something together. How many of you remember all of the uh, Americanism and patriotism after 9-11? But we had those people. It was Bush's fault. Oh, I hope I never meet one of those face-to-face because I have no patience for that. I, I need to get it. Amen. It wasn't an inside job. And if you believe that, you need psychiatric help. I'm sorry. But we had those people even at that time. Now, we can't always, everybody agree. Somebody has to disagree. I remember years ago we had a member of our church that said, well, somebody has to be the devil's advocate. I said, not in the church! I said, he's got enough advocates in the world. We need to serve the Lord together. But you see... Patience is doing right for the right reasons, even if it seems everyone else is doing wrong. 
I don't consider myself past middle age. I know mathematically I'm closer to the end of that three score and ten than I am to the beginning. But let's go to Romans chapter 2. But I am old enough to see and understand what, what would rightly be called the marginalization of Christianity. It used to be that Christian ideas and Christian churches and Christian preachers uh, anyone who would stand up and hold a Bible and actually explain what it says was respected in society. Uh, there was a time in the United States shortly before I was born when this was a Baptist country. There were more Baptists in America than there was any other religion in the 50s and 60s. In the 70s, if you would go into, with possibly the exception of the Northeast, if you would go into almost any town and ask what the largest church in town was, it was an independent Baptist church. Almost without exception in the 70s. Not that way now. You know why? Because people stop doing right. Because they lost their patience. Let's let's look here at what this says here in Romans chapter two. We're gonna we're gonna read the first ten verses, so follow closely because we won't be able to explain it all. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them which are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. We could spend a whole month of Sundays just going through that passage. But here's the answer for a critical spirit. Patience. I need to be taking care of what's going on in my life. Do you know that's the answer? If you really want to see this country straightened out, you know what we need to do? 
We need to start living right. There used to be a time in this nation when people were ashamed to hold a bottle of beer in public. I remember those days as a kid. We we had a neighbor, and I've often referred to him as Dirty Mouth Charlie. He had the foulest mouth in all of Carroll County, Maryland, and he was known for it. And he lived right beside us. And uh, yet, I remember Charlie coming out of the house, and he'd have a, uh, a bottle of beer in his hand, and he'd look and see us kids, and he'd hide it behind his back. Now you see kids walking down the street. And here's the problem. He knew my dad was a Christian. And my dad had talked to him on no uncertain terms. Hey, you can cuss all you want, but you don't do it around my boys or around my wife. And my dad was a rather intimidating person when he chose to be. And Charlie figured he'd better listen. He just didn't want to add that name to his enemy list, of which I'm sure was very long. But we got along fine. But I'm saying in our day and time... Sometimes we as Christians content ourselves to point our finger at the world and say, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. When really what we ought to be doing is looking into the mirror of God's Word and saying, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. Because there's a promise of those that patiently continue in well-doing. It's called eternal life. Amen? You see, one of the biggest things that he that impedes, that stops patience from working in our life is the patient man always finishes last. They're going to get away with it. If I don't stop them, wait, wait a minute, who died and left you God? Hello? That's what this passage is talking about. God's judgment is coming. And if we want to possess our souls in patience, we better get looking at ourselves. I'll tell you what, you can't have patience if you're not saved. Amen? Amen? The world has what they call patience, but it's not. Uh, the world. Let's turn to Romans chapter eight. We're going to read another passage here very quickly. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-four. But I want us to know that patience. If I want the working definition of patience, if I want patience to work in my life, what I have to be doing is examining my life between me and God. And I must continue in well-doing. They've often talked about the slippery slope, that the world is here and the church is here and the world moves here and then the church moves here and the world moves there. That is not supposed to be true Christianity. Because, though I'm getting ahead a little bit in the notes, true patience 
is staying right where I'm supposed to be. Even though the whole world moves. Can we say amen to that? So, let's look at Romans chapter 8 here. Verse 24, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we patiently wait for it. Next verse, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now again, I've spent entire sermons on just one, several of these verses here individually. But patience is the natural result or the outgrowth of true biblical hope. You know, we, we live in a society where everybody hopes things are going to get better. But they have nothing to base that hope on except the goodness of man. And let me tell you something. If your hope, if your hope is based on the goodness of man, you, my friend, are of all people most miserable because men are not good. If there's anything we want to study out of history, if you want to learn anything is the ability of man to hurt his fellow man. It is the evil that men have intention to other men. Uh, that is the history of mankind, but the history of patience is that God changed my life. He even helps me pray. And when I don't know how to pray, He prays for me in a language that the human voice cannot even begin to, to utter or to speak. He has a plan for me, and that plan is that I am to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what it means when it says, when we're in heaven, we shall know Him as He knows us, and, and we will be one with Him. There'll be no disagreement with Jesus in heaven. Things will be in perfect harmony. You know, one of the most difficult things, we watched that little video, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think I learned a little patience through this union uh, 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 trial. Uh, I would hope and pray, but then I get over there and get working again on something, and, and uh, I find out I don't have near as much patience as I think I do. But it's just trying to figure out the problem. You've got to think about things. You've got to figure it out. I mean, uh, I, I sat down and took half a day going through the paper, writing down all the parts numbers and went and ordered them and, and, and had the plumbing supply bring them all in. And then 
uh, a week later, we got some warm weather just this past week, and we said, we're going to put them together, and, and we get the scaffolding finally built up there, and we're looking down the hole of the chimney, or 33 feet in the air, and looking down, and it's not going to work. So I get on the phone, will you take that stuff back? He said, yeah, 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 he says, we'll take it back. Uh, and I said, but I need some other things, and and we got the numbers. He said, well, would you mind going out to the warehouse? I said, listen, if that will make it easier, I have no problems driving out to the warehouse. I found out all my numbers were right, but between me and the salesman here in Astoria and the, uh, the store man out in Long Island, it, uh, there was no communication going three ways, so I had to drive out to Farmingdale. And I got all the parts and brought them back, and now we're going to put it together. But, you know, if I am trusting in the wisdom of the Lord, I don't have the frustration of having to figure everything out because he already figured it out. How many of us are standing at God's parts counter trying to exchange parts when Jesus has already given us instruction on what to do? That's what this passage is talking about. Can we say amen? I mean, I know this is a tough subject, and listen, I want you to understand, I'm preaching to me as well as you, uh, you know, because... This is, this is where we live, is it not? This is our daily struggle. And yet, if we don't get patience, we're going to lose. You know, the greatest work of patience is that it keeps us on the right road. It keeps us in the way. You know, there are many, many people who have endured great suffering. And have gone through great trials and troubles. And they don't have one ounce of patience. But they have a whole bucket full of bitterness. You ever met anybody like that? There are people that have gotten vengeful. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to get even if it takes my whole life. How many movies have they made about vengeance? And, you know, the hero of the movie, he gets done wrong and then he comes back and he gets beat up again and he gets beat up again and then he's bleeding and dying and he gets up and he knocks the soup out of the guy and, oh, it's such a good movie. Wow. Don't think so. There's something wrong with that storyline. See, we as a Christians have no right to avenge ourselves. That belongs to God. And He'll do a better job than you ever could. And you have to understand something. I have to understand something. It is so hard as a pastor. Do you know that this book contains and is the very words of God. Can we say amen to that? That there is not one human problem this book can.
cannot solve and does not have the answer for. Can we say amen to that? I mean, it... But there are people who will not allow God to solve their problems. And we have to keep doing right anyway. That's patience. And we all need it. Our church needs it. We've got to learn the lesson of patience. Um, I'm just going to follow this book. And you know what? The world always looks better. The wrong always looks right. That, that is the devil's job. I mean, we don't have time this morning. Let's keep moving. Let's go to the book uh, of James. I just want to quote you a book, a verse here out of Revelation talking about those saints, those that are saved during the tribulation period. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Here, here, that is just simply what patience is. It is following God's Word. It is the ability to endure suffering and not to have that suffering move you further away from God. You see, James is a passage we go to often. Verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. You see, faith, I mean, patience is what I need to keep me on track. If we go to James chapter 5, and you can read the passage this afternoon if you would do this, it is Patience that keeps my heart centered on the end goal, which is the Lord's return. Just like the farmer waits for his crops, just like those that patiently bring forth fruit unto righteousness, we need to patiently wait for Jesus to come. Can we say amen to that? Patience is something that only comes... Through tribulation. Paul said in, I mean, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews said that in, but ye have, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. How many of you are like me? You just got to do something. You just got to do something. You can't just sit still. Well, wait a minute. You know what patience is? It's doing what is right and then waiting on God. Why does God always take longer than we want Him to? Because we need patience. How many of you have ever taken a walk with a little child? Someone that can barely walk. Or maybe an older, infirm person 
who has lost that ability to take a long and steady gait. You know what? It's hard to walk slow. It's hard to take little steps so that you can stay, you can actually take a walk with your grandchild. You know what's the easiest thing in the world to do? Here, come up and let Grandpa carry you. Well, that's good for some things, but sometimes it's just better to reach down a hand and walk slow now, isn't it? Isn't that what God does with us? Now, I want you just to think about this. What has God had to put up with from you? And yet, He's still walking side by side and step by step with us. You see, it's that understanding that will help us to have more patience with those with whom we walk. Patience, tribulation is the tool that God uses to etch the image of His Son upon our lives. Because without patience, we cannot show the world how good Jesus is. We, we've got to do this. It's being a Christian. And you can't get patience from yourself. It doesn't come from you. You've got to go to God. You've got to allow... The book of James said, if any man lack wisdom, that's where the problem is. We don't understand things the way we should. How many of you have ever been mistaken about something and you just had it all figured wrong? I mean, completely, 100% wrong. You want the cure for that? Patience. It's focusing on God, not on me. I mean, on others. It's focusing on my shortcomings to God, not on others' shortcomings to me. It's realizing that when God calls for me to suffer, that He is trying to allow me to become more like His Son. And the most wonderful work of patience is that even though God has endured all of that contradiction of sinners against Himself, Jesus never became one bit less loving than He was before the foundation of the world. And that's what He wants for us. That is what patience will do in our life. It will allow us to endure suffering and hardness, yes. But more importantly... It will allow us to endure that suffering while at the very same time moving us closer to God. That's patience. You know, I I found out over the years that if mom and dad holds 
little child's hand, there's very little that they can't put up with. You know something? If we'll remember that God has a hand outstretched, there's, there is nothing that you will face in this world that you can't put up with holding the Savior's hand. It's when we get impatient and start pushing ourselves away. It's when we decide that we have to solve the problem because Jesus isn't going to. That's when we get into trouble. I believe this is sermon is really what the writer of Hebrews meant in chapter 12 and verse 1 when he said, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know what that means? It means you're not quitting, number one. Because patience allows you to endure and to stay on the right track. Amen? Patience allows us to suffer and not be hurt by the suffering. Well, that doesn't mean you're not going to feel pain. If you don't feel pain, it's not suffering. All right? But have you ever met someone that was hurt by suffering? Sometimes they end up in a psychiatric ward for the rest of their life, just staring at the walls, never uttering a word, because they've been hurt. And they won't let go of that hurt. Other people become so hard that nothing and no one can touch them. But a patient person goes through the suffering and is more like Christ on the other side. That's where we need to be. How many would say, Preacher, I'm with you. I need more patience in my life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, you saw the hands that were raised. Lord, we would hope that would not be a mere mental assent just because they're in church today, but an understanding of what patience really is and how we need that in our lives. We, we must have this thing called patience to get through this life in a way that would glorify Thee. We ask, Lord, that You would work that you would keep us in the way. And Lord, we pray for those that may not have yet settled the issue of their eternity, their salvation, that they would understand the only way to begin to obtain this thing called patience is to first surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation. We ask you to do your work in our church, that you may be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sandra comes to lead the song of invitation. If you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you'd like someone to show you from the Bible how you can know your sins are forgiven, just look this way as you walk, as we stand together.
Let's let God do His work in our heart and in our lives.